We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Helping you unwind after a long day of work. I think he's kind of a boob. Can't really take the day south as a person. Can't go out there and be a moron. It doesn't work like that. The nightcap. We're eating their food on WGR Sports Radio 550. All right, Thursday night football tonight in an hour. It's a barn burner. Jets and Broncos. You should tune in though, especially if you got fantasy implications. Maybe you found a prop bet you like on the game. I like this Brett Rippon over one and a half touchdowns. Brett Rippon, the Broncos quarterback. You might not know his name. Pro Football Reference doesn't. I was just looking for Brett Rippon, the now starting quarterback for the Broncos in the meantime until Drew Locke returns. Looking for what he did last week because Jeff Driscoll, the Broncos quarterback, got benched. They threw in Brett Rippon. Wanted to see how he did. I go to Pro Football Reference looking for looking for what he did and to see, you know, maybe he's going to get a couple touchdowns. Was he at least respectable? And Pro Football Reference has a blank space next to the stat line. Six for eight, 48 yards and an interception. It's a ghost. They had a ghost playing quarterback for the Broncos last week. So it's Brett Rippon in the Broncos against the New York Jets tonight. It's not, I mean, it's probably the least excited you could be for a primetime football game, but it is NFL football. And are, are we supposed to completely discount the Broncos at this point? Now, if we're the Bills, we're not thinking about them because three games ahead of them already. There is a seventh game in the wild, seventh seed available to AFC playoff teams this year, but. The way this season is going, the Bills should not even be thinking about a playoff race. And that's, at best, what you're going to have with the Broncos this season. They're 0-3. They're going to need a bit of a comeback here. So, not worried about them. Um, They're interesting only when Drew Locke is on the field. Otherwise, you know, who cares about him right now? But, I, I got fantasy implications. I got Chris Herndon from the Jets in the lineup tonight. I'm going against... Brett Rippon in one game, one of my opponents got desperate at quarterback because of the postponed game between the Titans and Steelers. They had Ryan Tannehill, so then they had Drew Locke, who was hurt. So they're down to Brett Rippon. So you might have fantasy implications tonight. And the Jets not firing, like Adam Gase's job not being on the line tonight, by the way, doesn't make this inter- makes this so much less interesting, too. Uh, Want to talk about the Jets a little bit tonight. Got a little bit on the Sabres later. I've been doing some brief free agent preview uh, profiles on upcoming guys that are going to be available next Friday, which is when NHL free agency opens. The guy tonight I want to talk about is Tyler Ennis. Tyler Ennis is a free agent again, and not just for nostalgia. I think he is a decent idea for this team. So I'll get into that way later in the show. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Looking for your calls at 803-0550. But let's start off with the Jets and the report 
for me and Rappaport that they are not going to fire Adam Gase based on tonight's game. Tonight's game does not, Gase's job doesn't hinge on tonight's result. Now, this was this needed to be said because the Jets right now are 0-3. They have been beaten badly in all three games. They are losing games right now by more than 20 points per game. And Sam Darnold is regressing before our very eyes after a very good second half of last season, which he led the Jets to a 6-2 and record on the second half of last season. And Gase is under fire. Jets fans want him gone, and every, he's a laughing stock around the league. And I'm sitting here, like, in terms of thinking about the Bills' perspective, I want Gase to have that job as long as possible. As long as possible. And this is coming from somebody that respects the talent of Sam Darnold. I've said it repeatedly. And I have to kind of state it differently than I have before. Because going into this season, what I would say a lot on the show here and on pregame and whenever we would talk about the Jets was that the Bills have done such a perfect job of building around a young quarterback that if you get a guy in there with almost any sort of realistic NFL talent, he's going to do a pretty good job. Now, the difference is... Allen is, has a higher ceiling, has more physical abilities, more physical gifts than Sam Darnold does. So I have to recalculate the way I say it. And I'll say it this way. Josh Allen right now is one of the best quarterbacks in football. Right now he is. And in large part, it is because the Bills had the commitment to him and the commitment to build around him. The right way. With star-wide receivers that separate, with a good offensive line, with cheap, inexpensive running backs who can make guys miss an open field. Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, the number one asset, or the number one stat on them, is that in the last two draft classes, they were the most elusive backs in their draft class. Building around Josh Allen with an amazing defense. With continuity at offensive coordinator and head coach. Everything was perfect. And that maximized what the Bills got out of Josh Allen. Now, would Sam Darnold have ever been able to be one of the best quarterbacks in football? I think you'd want to take it a little bit of a step down from that. So I won't say that if Sam Darnold had been a Buffalo Bill, that he would be doing what Josh Allen is doing right now. But I will say this. If Sam Darnold was a Buffalo Bill, We'd be talking about getting ready to pay Sam Darnold. We'd be talking about Sam Darnold as a franchise quarterback. I don't think we'd be talking about Sam Darnold as an MVP, the way Josh Allen is playing, but I think he would be a legitimate franchise quarterback candidate. A guy that you talk about at the very least and probably end up signing. Because everything is so perfect around him. He was a little raw coming in, but... Got a guy with loads of talent. Not as much as Josh Allen, but loads of talent. And the Jets are literally the polar opposite of what the Bills are. The Bills are a shining example of how to build around a young quarterback. The Jets are the guide on how to not do it. Everything is just 
there's turmoil everywhere. You've got changes in the coaching staff. You've got changes in the wide receiver core. And for the worse, not for the better, Robbie Anderson. Like, one guy that you actually had that was a pretty good wide receiver. He wasn't amazing. He wasn't Stephon Diggs good. He probably wasn't even John Brown good. Maybe he actually, uh, that might not be fair. Robbie Anderson's having an incredible season. Um, and John Brown's great, but I think Robbie Anderson has slept on. So maybe I'll put him in, like, the John Brown tier of wide receivers. He goes to Carolina. And he just shows up, and he's he's flying out the gate. He's catching passes from Teddy Bridgewater. He's putting up big stats early on. And the Jets are like, no, nah, we're not going to pay you. We're going to go grab this this bargain bin. Uh, we're going to go to the clearance aisle of free agency. We're going to see what we can get there. And they bring in Bashard Perriman, who had a couple of good games in Tampa Bay. First-round bust from a couple of years ago. He had, like, three good games in Tampa Bay. And the Jets decided, yeah, that's going to be our number one wide receiver for our young, up-and-coming, hopefully franchise quarterback. Like, really? That was your plan? And Jamison Crowder is, like, he's a decent slot receiver. But, I mean, holy cow. The offensive line around Darnold has been brutal. The the receiving core we I just talked about, like, took a big hit there. The defense hasn't been good. And Adam Gase clearly is not the type of guy you want leading an organization. They have done a terrible job helping Sam Darnold develop. And I loved hearing the Rappaport report on Adam Gase. Because to me, as long as Adam Gase is the Jets head coach, I do not seriously consider the Jets any threat in this division. And that's... Not saying much, but for as long as he's the coach, I'm not even considering them for that. They're doing a disservice to Sam Darnold for as long as Adam Gase is there. So I'm glad to hear that he might be sticking around for the rest of the season. However, I will say this. The best thing that could happen to the Jets and the worst thing that could happen to the Bills at this point. So this might sound crazy, so don't get me wrong. I'm not, this is not my heart saying this. This is, this is the brain doing this that you kind of don't want them to finish dead last. You don't want them to just hit rock bottom. You want them to stay in the bottom, but you don't want them to hit rock bottom. Because the way it's trending right now, the, the New York Jets could fall ass backwards into Trevor Lawrence and a new head coach. And who's to say that they'll make the right hire? Because you can't trust the Jets to do that. They could get lucky and do it, though. And who's to say Trevor Lawrence is actually going to be like this generational type of quarterback like he's been built up to be? Because he might not, especially if he goes to the Jets where he's got nothing to work with. But like that is something to keep an eye on for me. That's something I don't want to happen. I don't want the Jets to get Trevor Lawrence. I don't want the Jets to have a new coach. They're probably going to end up with the latter. Gase, by the way, is not the favorite in the league to be the first coach fired, which is crazy to me. It's Dan Quinn in Atlanta. But... I don't want them to get Trevor Lawrence. I don't want them to get a new head coach. So keep the Gase-Darnold experiment going for as long as possible. And to me, if that means beating Brett Rippon and the 0-3 Denver Broncos, I'm okay with that. I almost... I'll say it, and I'm sorry if this is blasphemous. And I'm sorry if... And I understand if you're a Bills fan and you can just be like, no, I can never do it. I get it. But I think I'm rooting for the Jets tonight. I, th- I think I'm rooting for the Jets tonight. 
Because them beating Brett Rippon in the Broncos will mean absolutely nothing to the direction of their franchise. Nothing. Nada. At all. It's almost like a reverse tank. <laughs> it's almost like a reverse tank is what it is. I, I, you want, I want the Jets to go like, you know, 6-10. and 10 Because they're no threat to me at all on the short term going 6-10. and 10, And they become way less to me of a threat on the long term. If they go six and ten, because that avoids Trevor Lawrence, that maybe prolongs Adam Gase there, and for as long as that happens, they're irrelevant. They are irrelevant, and that's where you want them to stay. You want the Jets to stay in irrelevancy, and I don't want them to get lucky. So I'll say it. I'll say it. I'm rooting for the Jets tonight. Let's go Jets. For for. It's kind of working against them, though. Even though I'm rooting for them to win the game, I hope you get it. They're like, I'm rooting against them on the long term by doing it. At the end of the day, this game probably means nothing. I'm, I'm kind of finding a way to create some interest in this game. I think I've done it. Rooting for the Jets because we don't want them to get Trevor Lawrence. The reverse jet tank is what we're doing here. But really, it is. It's stark how... You couldn't have done a better job if you were the Bills building around Josh Allen. Like, I can't really think of a single thing that they could have done better. And the Jets, I can't really think of a single thing they could have done worse. <laughs> like, there are teams that do the wrong thing sometimes when they have their young quarterback. There are teams that are near perfect when they do it. Like, the Ravens maybe are that right now. I would consider the Ravens near perfect. Because the Ravens committed to Lamar Jackson. They committed to the style in which Lamar Jackson is going to play. They built their offense around that style. They've got basically everything the Bills have done with Josh Allen, except they really don't have a star-studded wide receiver core. Like Hollywood Brown, Marquise Hollywood Brown is a really good wide receiver. But that's it. It's two third-rounders and Miles Boykin and Devin DuVernay who have done nothing flyers in the third round that have done nothing and then it's a veteran who really you don't ever really want to have to start in Willie Sneed and that's it for them at receiver the Bills have even done better than the Ravens and the Jets I guess I'll compare to the, another 2018 team here in the Cleveland Browns the Browns have done almost everything wrong Baker Mayfield, tons of new coaches Freddie Kitchens Greg Williams, Hugh Jackson. How can you forget him? Now it's Kevin Stefanski. He's on his fourth head coach. There's no continuity at all. They didn't give him a good offensive line for three years. They, by the way, didn't build the offense that was tailored to Baker Mayfield's skill set. They designed an offense for Baker Mayfield that basically would only work if he was going to be able to scramble and buy time with his feet. I don't know if you've watched Baker Mayfield, but that's not his game. He's not a statue, but he's not going to be running around defensive ends creating time so that his receivers can get open. But, hey, the Browns at least, they went out and got star receivers. They got Jarvis Landry and Odell, Be Odell Beckham and Austin Hooper and Kareem Hunt. Like, they went out and got talent for him to throw to. So, the Jets have done the worst job possible. And the Bills have done the best job possible. And I just think it's kind of, it's so interesting how... They're just on the complete ends of the spectrum. It's not even just like the Bills did a way better job than the Jets. No, no, like they couldn't have done better and the Jets couldn't have done worse.
And part of me does want to see them be a dumpster fire, but part of me also does not want to see them just fall backwards into Trevor Lawrence. So root against the root against Washington. Um, I don't know. There's other teams. Just hope the Giants. Just hope the Jets aren't the team that uh, ends up with that top pick. Maybe they wouldn't do it anyway. By the way, maybe it's not even worth talking about. Is that possible though? Would they get the number one pick and not pick Lawrence because of Darnold? Maybe. I guess it's possible. Maybe I shouldn't just completely discount that. But it, that seems nuts. I mean, the Cardinals did it with Rosen and Kyler Murray, and that was only after one year. So, I don't know. I couldn't see the Jets not doing it, but maybe I should... I, I at least felt like I had to mention that, that they could get that pick and not take it. I mean, that would be a very Jets thing to do, where there is, like, the best quarterback prospect maybe coming into the league that we've seen in years. And the Jets don't pick him because they think they can still make it work with Sam Darnold. And I think they could still make it work with Sam Darnold. Actually, scratch that. I don't think they can make it work with Sam Darnold. I think someone else could probably make it work uh, with Sam Darnold, but not them. Other things to get to in the league today. By the way, uh, that was all kind of sprung on by Thursday Night Football tonight, so stay tuned for that. About 35 minutes away, uh, we'll get you to coverage here on WGR. Kickoff between the Broncos and Jets is at 8.20. Whole game here on WGR. Some COVID guideline changes in the league today. Now, it's apparently only for teams that are having COVID outbreaks or have been have come into contact with a team that has had a COVID outbreak, such as the Tennessee Titans and the Minnesota Vikings. The Titans, I just thought this was worth mentioning. The Titans had two more positive tests today. The count is now to 11. That's a that's a COVID outbreak in the league inside the Tennessee Titans organization. Now the team they just played in the Minnesota Vikings have not had any good, any positive tests. So that's good. No positive tests for the Minnesota Vikings. But the Titans have had 11, and they've had a positive test now three days in a row. And I'm wondering more and more about the possibility of Bills Titans, which is 10 days away from not occurring at least in its scheduled time slot. Because now we've had the Titans-Steelers game for this upcoming Sunday. Originally, it was being talked about, oh, they're going to move it to Monday or Tuesday of this week. Then, more positive tests today, and they move the game. Most likely, this isn't official yet, but it's most likely going to work where the Titans and Steelers will play Week 7. And... They're going to move Pittsburgh's Week 7 matchup to their bye week, against the, which was originally against the Ravens in Week 7. That'll be moved to Week 8. So if you follow me there, Steelers and Titans, Week 7 now. Ravens and Steelers gets moved to Week 8. That fits everything in, works with the bye weeks, and they just move it to later in the season. There's only so many times, by the way, you're going to be able to do that. If one team has multiple outbreaks or multiple has to postpone multiple times, then they're going to have to extend the season by a week. And I wonder if that ends up having to happen. But anyways, Bills and Titans is 10 days away. And I went back and looked through the Major League Baseball season. The Major League Baseball season, early on, was getting a ton of criticism, and rightfully so. Because there were positive tests all over the place. And really, up until the NFL having 11 positive tests inside the Titans... Major League Baseball seemed to be the only major sport that had this issue. Like the NBA and NHL had the benefit, and MLS, if you want to throw them in, had the benefit 
of playing in a bubble. And of course, once they got into the bubble and they were acting responsibly, most for the most part, everyone was acting responsibly, the, the risk rate of, of, in, of infection was so close to zero that you were never going to get an outbreak, it seemed. Unless just one person screwed it up for everybody. And that didn't happen. At least it hasn't happened yet. The NHL season's over. Uh, the NBA finals are almost over, so they're almost at the finish line. Major League Baseball, though, had outbreaks. The Philadelphia Phillies, the Miami Marlins, the Detroit Tigers. The Yankees had to postpone a couple of games. And looking back early on, like what's the worst-case scenario from what we've seen so far? And that is what happened with the St. Louis Cardinals, who had multiple positive tests, and they were spread out. And the Cardinals went 16 days without playing. 16 days. And I wonder if that does happen to the Tennessee Titans, what the league does. I don't really have a solution or an answer to that question. I did kind of mention a minute ago, I wonder if they extend the season and they have to add a week 18 or a week 19 and then throw extra bye weeks in the middle for teams. Because otherwise, I don't know what you do. You can't throw a game on a Wednesday in between. This isn't baseball or NBA or NHL where you can just throw games in between. Uh, or play double headers, of course. So, I wonder what happens. But I'm thinking about what happens with that Bills game 10 days away. Because it took the Cardinals 16 days to get back to play. With multiple tests. Positive COVID tests. And... If we continue along at the pace we're going with the Tennessee Titans, I wonder how long the league has for them to get it under control to not have to also postpone Bills and Titans next Sunday. Just wanted to remind everybody of that. Like There is a possibility, I think, that that game doesn't get played in its scheduled time spot. It could. Hopefully it does. Hopefully everybody with the Titans is safe and well and they get the infection under control in their organization. And that's there, there's one other thing I wanted to mention on this. Like what would the timeline be? You might be wondering as I'm talking about this. Like when do we maybe need to know by to whether Bills Titans will be played next Sunday? And I think by next Wednesday is or Tuesday is probably an ideal time for the league an ideal time frame, to have a few days before next Wednesday, so like Monday through Wednesday, if they go three days without any positive tests, I wonder if that might be enough. And I say that because this week, look at the news timeline. Monday we find out there's positive tests. And as of Monday, it is, all right, we're still scheduled to play Sunday at 1. Tuesday, you get another positive test. And now, what's the what's the storyline? Or was that yesterday? Yesterday, there's another positive test. I'm, I'm Now I'm confusing when the news came out. Maybe it's yesterday. Yesterday, it's, all right, the game's being... We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Pushed to Monday or Tuesday. That's right. Yesterday it's being pushed to Monday or Tuesday. That was the report. And then today, with another two positive tests, it's, all right, the game's postponed. So maybe that's the same time frame it's kind of mirrored for the Bills game next week if they have a positive test on Wednesday maybe it's all right well maybe we could still play on Monday or Tuesday night and then if they have a positive test on, positive test on Thursday that's probably all she wrote so maybe just some lessons or some things to keep an eye on that have happened with the time frame in which the NFL made decisions this week on whether to postpone games or not because we might have to go through something similar with this Bills-Titans game next week. But hopefully not. We'll see. All right, thanks. 803-0550 is the phone number. We got about a half hour until we kick it over to Westwood One's coverage of Thursday Night Football between the Broncos and Jets. We are under an hour away from kickoff. Um, I got a Sabre free agent profile to go over a little bit, a little bit later in the show. Tyler Ennis is the name I wanted to focus on today. Um, Some nostalgia. I used to love Tyler Ennis as a player. With the Sabres. So I, I would love to see it. And not just because I want to see it. Like, there are reasons that it makes sense. So I'll get into that, break it down a little bit later on. We're eight days away from NHL free agency. And if you got thoughts on this Bills-Jets comparison, and if you think I'm nuts to kind of want the Jets to hang around 6-10 and 10 this year, because there's no threat with the New York Jets and what they've got going on right now. The only threat that the New York Jets could ever pose right now, would be as if they get the first overall pick and then they get Trevor Lawrence. And maybe that wouldn't even be a threat, but it could be. 803 is the phone number to your calls next here in WG. You know, the patience that coaching staff has had with me, the things that we've worked on in the offseason, a la Jordan Palmer and Coach Dorsey and Shea and Dable. And, you know, I really think that diving into the playbook as much as we did, I really feel like I know answers, you know, to the question. I wouldn't say all the time, but I feel like I got a good grasp of what our offense is doing. I think the better I play, the more I know, the more comfortable I feel. And it's just kind of the cycle. So I got to stay on top of it, understand what the defense is doing, understand that it's not really about what they do. It's about how we react to what they do. So I think that's kind of uh, where we've progressed in that area and I we're gonna have to keep progressing as teams start watching film and finding new ways to try to slow us down and, and whatever the case may be we got to be prepared for every situation that is Bill's quarterback Josh Allen he has had the benefit of some great coaching he's got to make the passes I'm not trying to take credit away from him but Brian Dable has put together an incredible offense for Allen to run uh, 803-0550 is the phone number. The opposite, by the way, of the New York Jets, who you're going to see play against the Broncos in less than an hour. Adam Gase, this once called, not even too long ago, the Jets owner called him a brilliant offensive mind like two weeks ago. I think after the Bills game, in which he put up, they put up 17 points on a defense that, by the way, has not been phenomenal yet this season. Like, I still think the Bills' defense is really good, and I think they've underperformed a little bit. But brilliant offensive mind. Ryan Fitzpatrick put up 28 the next week. You put up 20, You put up 17. So, phew, brilliant offensive mind. Give me a break. 
uh, Jets and Broncos. 8.20, our coverage here on WGR starts at 8 o'clock. Doing a little comparison game. I like doing a comparison between the Bills and Jets. Doesn't it make us feel good about what we've got going on? Makes me feel good. So, you got that going for you. I also made a case, and I kind of feel bad, gross about it, but I did it, um, that we should be rooting for the Jets tonight. There's nothing going on with their team that threatens me on the short term or long term. Nothing. The only thing that would is if they fall into Trevor Lawrence. And if that happens, you know... I still will think, oh, well, they still got to do all this, this, and this to build around him, and maybe he's not even good in the first place. Um, but at the same time, the upside of that player saving their franchise, I don't even want to deal with it. Just don't even want to deal with it. So hopefully they go 6-10 and 10 and just sit in mediocrity like the Bills had to do for a decade. 803 is the phone number. Let's go to Patrick. Patrick, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, Joe, can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. Dude, um, first of all, I am so happy you're back on the air. Joe, like, Thanks, man. your coverage is so comprehensive in your knowledge. Like, I know you get some from, from Nate and uh, Eric Turner, but thank, thank, thanks so much for doing what you do, man. Yeah, I appreciate it, Patrick. So, Joe, you and I talked about uh, Allen three years ago um, upon his draft, and it was kind of like, hey, how do you look in the senior bowl? You know, can he throw a touch pass? Can he do all these things? It's it just wild to see the growth, man. Like, I, I, I'm just astonished as a guy that was, like, all, you know, all in on, like, the prospect and what you heard. You know, he runs, you know, he, he can throw at 60 yards. The, the plays at Wyoming, you really didn't see um, on the highlight, really, at least for, for the first two years for the Bills. Like, it was totally different. But, but the formation he's taken, I don't think you would argue me on this, Joe, like mm-hmm. – the, the the like the leadership thing has always been there, right? Sure. But but like mechanically, right? Like footwork, holding his holding his left arm a little bit closer to his body, like how he releases the ball. And and now we're having conversations like, hey hey, that that forty seven yard throw to Gabriel Davis on the sideline, it should have been in the middle. You know what I mean? Like that's the phase we're at, man. And and I, I like I'm almost at the point where like the the draft class, like Sam Darnold. I'm sorry. I don't. I really don't care about your surrounding class. My guy was throwing to Kelvin Benjamin his rookie <laughs> year. Like, <laughs> how do how do you think about that, man? Like, am I am I wrong? I I don't think you're wrong. I think that he had. Thanks for the call, Patrick. I appreciate I appreciate the kind words for sure. Um, I'm really happy to be back too, and hopefully it continues uh, past the football season. But I I. I know that he threw to Calvin Benjamin and Andre Holmes and Brandon Tate once upon a time. Like, I, I know. But he they've emerged from that. And the Jets, this is where you wanted the Bills to emerge from that. This is when you needed to have the top receivers. So you make a good point in that, yes, Josh Allen did some things when he had nothing to work with. It was mostly with his feet, but he did some things. But that was rookie Josh Allen. That was rookie Josh Allen. And when you really needed to be evaluating whether he's a franchise quarterback or not was last year and this year. More so this year. And those two seasons, it's not even a comparison. So yeah, the Jets had better pieces than the Bills, or at least close to that, until this season. But like year three, it's go time. 
Like, let's go. Like, this, you want, you're going to be a star quarterback? Now's the time. And that's when you want to have Stephon Diggs and John Brown and Cole Beasley. And it's not when you want to have Brashard Perriman, Chris Hogan, and Braxton Berrios. So, while I agree with you in part, I think the timing in which Josh Allen got his stud receivers and and in comparison when Darnold lost them is worth mentioning, and I think it's important. And again, I'm not here to tell you that Darnold would be doing better on the Bills than Josh Allen because I don't think he would. But I do think he'd be doing a lot better than he would be on the Jets, and I don't even think that's I don't even think that's arguable. Let's go to Mark in Buffalo. Mark, you're on the nightcap. How's it going? Hey, Joe. Uh, nice to hear you on as well. Um, Thanks. You know, just going back to the you know the idea of the Titans and Pittsburgh game being pushed. Let's just say the Titans do have another positive test next week. Is it advantageous for Buffalo to for us to have that game pushed to the end of the season, or would we rather kind of have you know us face the Titans with a quote unquote weakened roster? Hmm. Going to the going to, going into a short week, but for them it may be longer. So you know, with us playing Sunday, and then the, you know, for us knowing the Titans are not playing anytime this week, potentially until Sunday, you know, would we want it? What would mm-hmm. Bills fans want the game to actually occur next Sunday, or would we want to maybe push it off until later in the year when the Titans could, you know, theoretically have everything going in order? Um, so, you know, I just wanted sure. to hear your sentiment on that because I really think it's in, in the best interest of Bills fans to have the game next week, even though there are some questions yeah. that the league need to go through. Thanks for the call, Mark. I, I think I know what you're saying. Um, the reason I'd want to fight you on it a little bit to whether it's important or not is the Titans players, at least that we know of so far, that have been placed on the COVID list are not really impact players. So I, I'll... I'll go to the football part of this with you if if we want here. Um, but they did have a defensive tackle who plays 60% of their snaps, so a starting defensive tackle that was placed on the COVID list. But other than that, it's their long snapper and another depth player that didn't really play a whole lot for them. And that's all I've seen so far. There might be more um, that we don't know about, but those were at least the names that we've seen that are on the COVID list. So, you know, it would be different if, you know, A.J. Brown or Derrick Henry or Ryan Tannehill were players that weren't going to play um, if we want to think again about the football side of this. I almost feel kind of weird doing that because there are so many bigger things to all of this than, well, who's going to be on the field and when do we want to play him? But if we want to think about that part of it, I even then I don't really think it matters a whole lot. If anything, I might want to tell you I'd rather have the Bills bye week be week 11 because week four is – or week five, that's – pretty early for a bye week and I think this Bills team and this Bills season is and we all know this I hope we all know this it's about way more than the regular season it's not for Josh Allen like for Josh Allen it's about the regular season as much as it is the playoffs but for this this Bills team it's about the playoffs and it's about what you do when you get there how fun is that by the way to be in that 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 world but that's what it is and I think I'd rather have the bye week later on week 11 because I'm closer to the playoffs and I'd rather get that rest in later in the year. So I'm not sure how important it is at all, but even if I were going to tell you that it did matter one way or the other, I think I'd rather have the bye week later than earlier. Uh, Let's go to Don. Don, you're on the nightcap. How's it going, man? 
Hey, Joe, I, I'm just going to throw another wrinkle at you. Um, if if the game got um, canceled next next Sunday, yep. they couldn't move it to Monday or Tuesday because we play on Thursday. Right. It would have to go to the end of the year, so we'd actually get two bye weeks. Yes. That way they could move it to week 11. So. That, that's a great point. I didn't even think of that, Don. You're right. Thursday against the Kansas City Chiefs, you're right. They, there would be no postponing it to Monday or Tuesday. Um, thanks for the call, by the way, because that, that is something I should have had ready to go off the top of my head, and I forgot that they, that Chiefs game is the next week. Um, so really, going back to what I said in the previous segment, after you hear what just Don, Don just pointed out there about the next game being a Thursday night, they're going to have to know, and they're going to have to have no positive tests earlier in the week for that Bills-Titans game to happen. Because you're right, there's no way Monday or Tuesday is happening. There's no way with a game three days later. So, or two days later if it's if it's a Tuesday. Um, and the last thing we'd want is them to move that Kansas City game off of Thursday night to Sunday. I guess maybe they could do that if they had to say, hey, we can't give the Titans another bye week. Like, now we're getting ridiculous um or it's tougher so what we're gonna do in turn is you're gonna play the titans on monday night or tuesday night and now instead of playing the chiefs on thursday night you're gonna play them on sunday or we're gonna play them on monday and you know if that has to be done of course that's what should happen for safety reasons but in terms of a fan perspective um that would kind of stink if we had to be forced off of that Thursday night game. Um, I guess they could do that. Otherwise, they could do what you said where they go to another bye week or something, but I don't know. There's a lot up in the air. This is all new. This is unique, and we're kind of getting our first taste of what the league will do in a situation like this um, with what they've done so far with Titans and Steelers, which was, hey, we're going to hold out as long as we can um, for Sunday at 1, all right, still positive test. Maybe we could do Monday or Tuesday. No? Okay, fine. we got to postpone it till your bye week later on. So we'll see what happens with Bills-Titans. Uh, we'll, um, of course, know more about this early next week. 803 is the phone number. Last call in the nightcap after this. A few words on Tyler Ennis. Do we want to bring Tyler Ennis back to the Sabres? Is that a good idea? I think it might be. Stay tuned to find out why after this on WGR. All right, last call on the nightcap. Joe DiBiase here on WGR. We got to get you to Thursday Night Football in just over five minutes. We got the Jets and Broncos tonight here on WGR. Coverage in five minutes. Kickoff at 8.20. Little hockey to close out the show here tonight. Second day in a row. I've put together a free agent profile as we are only eight days away from NHL free agency. The Sabres probably not going to be big buyers, but the guy I took a look at today... I think makes sense for that. A cheap financial option that the Sabres can get. Inexpensive, has been productive the past couple of seasons, and you get some nostalgia as a bonus. How about Tyler Ennis? Remember Tyler Ennis? Three years he's been gone now, and his career has, the, the trajectory of his career is pointing back upward. And I would like to see that type of move, because that is kind of a savvy move. Not even for, oh, you're just bringing a guy back because the fans know him and some of them have his jersey and they'll feel good about it. And I do think some of that does need to happen as well because we are starving for anything positive to talk about with the Sabres. Anything. And it's hard. It's hard to come by these days. But a little of that sprinkled in would be nice. 
But also, there are plenty of on-ice reasons why this makes sense. And there are plenty of salary cap reasons why this makes sense. Ennis has been on veteran minimum contracts two years in a row. Uh, signed with Toronto two years ago. Then he signed with Ottawa this past offseason, both at $800,000. And I think with the season he just had, which was an uptick, he came back. Two years ago with Toronto, career high in goal in, uh, in shot percentage. His best goal-scoring season of his career. It was only 12 goals in 51 games, but his goals per 60-minute rate was actually through the roof. Because in 51 games, 12 goals, you're already almost at a 20-game pace. Add in that he played less than 10 minutes a night. So, he was scoring despite hardly playing. Then, he signs in Ottawa, and that's really where I bought into him as kind of bouncing back. Because the usage went up, he was back to close around 15 minutes a night, he played way more on the power play in Ottawa than he had in Toronto and Minnesota before that, and he saw production. His third best power play production season, five goals, five assists on the power play in 61 games for the Senators. Uh, That was his third best season in that category, um, going back to his early days with the Sabres. So... A good bounce back year for Ennis last year. I still don't think you have to pay him almost anything because he's really only had, I mean, on the surface, the stats on the surface, he's only had one great year. But you look at that season Toronto last two years ago, that was impressive. You get him at $2 million bucks, maybe less than that, and you plug him in on your third line, or if you can't find anyone better for your second line role with Eric Stahl and Jeff Skinner, he fits that. Because Jeff Skinner and Eric Stahl are two proven goal scorers. You put a playmaker like Ennis on their wing, and I think you could do a lot worse than that. So it's not it's not the sexiest idea, and it's not an idea that's going to change the course of your franchise, kind of like what I said with Mikel Granlin yesterday. But this is a player where I think you can get him inexpensive. I loved watching him uh, growing up as a Sabre fan. I know I'm young. Um but I think it makes sense for the Sabres financially and uh, for on-ice reasons as well. So check out my full detailed piece on Tyler Ennis as an option for the Sabres at WGR550.com and the Radio.com app. I got to run, though. Thursday night football between the Broncos and Jets. About 20 minutes away from kickoff. You're a couple of minutes away here from coverage starting right here on WGR. Thanks for listening, everybody. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.